0614-104-702. Food feature. It is time for the food feature. And today we got an opportunity to enjoy a little bit of an early Christmas spread, courtesy of Chef Rico Kolinsky of Chef Cello. And uh, we were like, actually, we were having a conversation around the different things that we might be putting on our Christmas menus. So maybe... Send through what you are thinking of putting on your Christmas menus on the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Are you like me where you feel like I'm not putting a thing because I'm not hosting anybody? I'm actually going to book somewhere. Are you a person who feels like um, I'm going to do the same thing that I do every year because we have a family tradition? Let us know. And are you keeping some of those, um, I don't want to say cliche, tr- let me say traditional Christmas items like turkey and gammon. I'm seeing the Christmas packs already out at Woolworths and Checkers and Pick and Pay. Let us know um, as we prepare and build up to this festive celebration. 0727021702. Chef, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling having fed us? Are we the first Christmas meal you've served this year? You are the second. Oh, the, no, <laughs> I thought we were the first. <laughs> I absolutely love that you, you brought something so interesting and so different. And we'll get a little bit into the menu and what you prepared. But I want to talk a little bit about your personal journey um, with food. When was food, or maybe rather share with me your earliest memories with food and what the relationship was like you know some some people know from when they were younger that yes i loved my food but i just always spend more time in the kitchen than others and others fall into mm-hmm. into the food industry <clears throat> well with me uh, the love came from cooking and spending time in the kitchen with my mother mm. um baking biscuits uh experimenting doing all kinds of funny things I loved uh, deciphering flavors that she would of dishes that she would prepare, and I never really knew that I'd become a chef up mm. until about sixteen, seventeen, where I just found myself constantly in the kitchen experimenting and just loving it. And I just thought, yes, this is actually for me. I can see myself doing this uh, forever. What kind of food was was your mom cooking that? Um you were, you know, are, are, are those things that just bring up those childhood memories? Okay, a very simple one. Mm-hmm. Dumplings and salties. Not what sure are if... salties? <laughs> you have to fill me in. Okay, so salties is basically the bones that you get from uh, curing and smoking bacon or smoked pork yes. products. Mm. So just chewing that up, your nice dumpling mix over it. It is just, it's home. It's home. Um, and, and in terms of the other kitchens you got to explore, breed aunts, uncles, grandparents, what were the different types of cuisines that you got to enjoy and experience? Okay, so growing up in a colored lotion, yes. <laughs> it was uh, basically a family gathering was a, a bit of a competition. Mm. My aunts would try and outdo each other with whose chicken curry is better, whose that is better, but unfortunately my mother's, and I am being biased, was just... 
Mom's always, is always the best, always right? Always top notch, even to this day. Um, and yeah, she's the one that even to this day, I'm a chef. I've been a chef for about 22 years. Uh, she'll come in, uh, hit me with a wooden spoon if I don't do things to her liking. <laughs> you know, one of the one of these days, um, I think uh, Pashida and my team and I, we must look at having a conversation about how the curry arrived here because the colored community has their, their own rituals when it comes to curry. I look at somebody like my aunt, a black woman, she has her own rituals with curry mm -hmm. and it really has quite evolved, you know, um, in terms of its life here. But you knew then you loved food. What was happening around 16 that you started to be like, okay, this might be my thing? I just found myself doing it more and more and instead of uh, playing out in the streets, I was with my mother baking cookies and that sort of thing. So my mother is the, the family cook. She's the go-to person that if there's a family gathering, we need to have this of hers Yes. and all of those. So um, I just found myself starting to do all of these things with her and a lot of it just came naturally. At the time, I didn't know it comes naturally, only when I started getting into professional kitchens that I actually realized uh, some things are easier for me than than uh, for others than others yes were you good at like reading recipes or were you good at sort of freestyling and creating your own flavor profiles because I know many people who grew up you know cooking with a, a grandmother but they would never be able to tell you somebody said share the recipe they there's wouldn't no even recipe. know. There's no <laughs> recipe. They just know. It's in the field. Yes. It's in the field. So I love following a recipe at first because I'd like to pay homage to whoever took the time to write it down, get to the specific uh, end point. But then after that, all chefs would want to put their own spin on it. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's where the, the, the food industry is at. We take, we steal from each other, we make it our own. And that's how we evolve. What was your first experience like in a professional kitchen and what brought you to that place? Okay. Um, what brought me there was the simple love for, for cooking. The, the shock was um, how organized you, you have to be, especially in a high-end kitchen. There's no winging it. You need to make sure that your, your prep is done a day in advance. Um, because it's so fast-paced, uh, anything can go wrong and you need to make sure that you prepare for uh, stuff that, that do go wrong in the kitchen. And, and was this a hotel setup? Was it a restaurant yes, setup? Yes, it was. It was a hotel. Mm. Um, sadly, it's not there anymore. It was the Berea Gardens Protea Hotel. Oh, my goodness. That is a good long time yes, ago. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> revealing your age, eh? And I mean, um, um, I think many chefs have shared how training in hospitality spaces like hotels has given them a certain discipline that just just comes with that space. Do you think that has given you an edge over, for example, chefs that maybe have only worked in restaurant restaurants? Um, well, the two are very similar. Restaurants are a bit more fast-paced. Um, hotels, you've you've got a bit more information that you can plan, specifically in banqueting. Uh, all most restaurants have a la carte kitchens as well, 
So it is also fast-paced. It's got its own evils, if I can put it that way. Yes. Uh, restaurants, they tend to focus more on trends and uh, flavor and simply food, whereas hotel is a bit more different. Uh, you've got turndowns that you need to focus on. You've got a whole host of uh, guest uh, experiences that you need to, to focus and meet as well. And I mean, like when you say you've got a lot more information for example, in the banqueting side. But if you're dealing with a la carte, does the hotel sharing with you what the occupancy looks like allow you to sort of guesstimate how many people might be walking in? And um, I mean, I would imagine that breakfast service is quite a lot of work. Yeah, breakfast is a very interesting one. Um, you get people with different kinds of moods. Some people are morning people, others are not and depending on how you fry the egg that will depend on how the day goes <laughs> and that's that's the reality isn't it crazy though that the fried egg that seems like the simplest thing to do is it's actually the, the easiest thing to mess up <laughs> because everybody's ideas like I, I realize having traveled that when our language is like when i say to people can i have my egg soft not runny i've probably they've probably gotten it right seven percent of the time where i'm be like it's still runny soft <laughs> not runny and it's like you know something just and now just cooked <laughs> yeah now i'm even seeing um um some of these performance chefs where when they cook and just fry an egg they are throwing it and breaking and then they're making a whole heart with it. I'm seeing more of like the Asian chefs that mm -hmm. are sort of going more into that space. Are you finding that, um, you know, there's pressure on you as chefs? Let's say you were now to work into work as a chef in those restaurants where the kitchen is open to the people and they can watch, watch you. Do you feel a little bit more pressure in those type of environments? I think that is for a specific chef. <laughs> not and not you. <laughs> not, not me necessarily. <laughs> you want to be able to swear in peace. <laughs> um, I'd like to do my thing. I don't mind interacting with, with guests. I love that. I love uh, hearing what they think of what you've prepared. Um, your plate is yours up until you give it to them. Mm. And then it's up to them to, to decipher, to enjoy or not to enjoy, which also happens sometimes. But, uh, yeah, the saying goes, you're only as good as your last meal. So every meal, you're up against it. When you were now in this professional space and you started working your way up and sort of broadening your repertoire of cuisines, what did you find you were drawn to? Is it the Asian flavors? Is it the Italian? Because as South Africans, we are so exposed to so many different um, um, cultures. I mean... I know if I'm going to a black person's home and they say stew, I know there's raja in there. Definitely. <laughs> you just know it's not any old stew. So what have you found are the influences you were the most attracted to and maybe those also that you were most challenged by? Okay, what I enjoyed most was a classic French cuisine. Mm. Uh, getting those basic sauces right, getting your... Uh, techniques right getting your the method of how you cook meat getting that right and it's very different to to a whole host of other cultures but i for me that gave me a good uh skill set to take on other cuisines as well did you end up having to fight your family that 
Guys, fillet is actually supposed to be done medium rare. No. <laughs> I, I'm lucky that I don't take my work home with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you just accept the well done and you keep quiet. It is what it is. <laughs> And I think I, I love what you're saying just about those classic French techniques. I'm so, so happy that in my day, I'm not sure if it still happens in schools. We had like home economics where they taught us how to make a simple roux. And that becomes the basis of so many things, just yep. how to make a roux and how to make a cheesecake. Like mm-hmm. I, I actually just, I, I think those are such critical skills um, at, at my brother's school as well. I can't remember, but they had like a cooking class and he learned how to make pizza dough at, at school. And I'm not seeing much of it now these days, but what, what attracted you the most to the French cuisine? Is it the fact that most of those techniques form the basis of many other styles of cooking? Mm-hmm. What I enjoyed about it was uh, the, it's as much the, the final product as the process of cooking mm. as well. So, like you say, you can make so much with a roux, your white sauce or your bechamel, as uh, people would like to call it, and you can just adjust to it so much. So, out of the one sauce, you can make five different, mm. different varieties of sauces to serve, be chicken, beef, uh, whichever, whichever it is. So, I like the the diversity of it um, and also just the attention to detail of what it should be and that is almost universal so you can speak to a chef that has the basics and we'll all speak the same language yes and that's still a beautiful thing (laughs) so in terms of now your journey as a chef when did you decide that actually I want to branch out on my own and do my own thing because now that requires an additional set of skills, which is now you're the business person, you're counting your rands and cents as opposed to being the head chef who's like, this is what I want to put on the menu. This is what I need. And, you know, getting it signed off. Yeah, it is very different uh, when you get a, a paycheck where you now need to provide paychecks. Right. You've got the responsibility of other people on your on your head as well. So it makes you make sure that you count your rents and cents a hundred percent. You do right by your your employees, and uh, I think the basis for me was uh, the chefs that I've worked with. Um, there's always been a saying: you work in a kitchen as if it is your own, and once you get the concept, you you fully understand it. Once you become an entrepreneur as well, if you have followed through with it. That's making sure your your costings are in line, your recipes are in line, and making sure that your customer is happy and your customer is happy to to foot the bill and then some. <laughs> right, and I mean, of course, um, we customers are very difficult, and we're not always right. <laughs> so, and that comes <clears throat> with its own price tag. But I want to jump onto the menu that you brought for us. Uh, today, barbecue, crystal spring roll. You brought us smoked salmon roulade with cucumber salad. Um, you brought us a, a whole dessert spread. Um, the mains was the chicken and sage roulade with creamy mash and jus. And I have to say, your presentation to me did say classical French training because the portions were petite, but not like, oh my gosh, I'm still hungry. The portions were beautifully done even the starter um just what you had put in the little rose gold bucket um which was kind of the things that you'd find on a cheese board talk mm-hmm. to us about 
what inspired that particular menu and how it ticks the boxes for South Africans because I think we are a tricky bunch to please because there's so much variety but everybody Mm -hmm. sort of has a direction of the things that they love. So in SA, I think we, we're quite spoiled. We don't, we're not really as into our traditions as, as other countries maybe. We love new things, but we also like our basics. With me, my mother's uh, dumplings and salties. Yes. Chisanyama, all of those kind of things. So that opens us up to, to explore quite a bit. Uh, South Africans are generally open to trying new things, mm. which is great for chefs. Um, we can throw call it say a chakalaka into a fine dining dish and make it work just to bring that home element Mm. uh, into it and yeah i mean i i I absolutely enjoyed um what you put in the in the bucket talk to us about some of the ingredients that you chose for it okay so that's a little uh individual charcuterie bucket so we had a kumquat preserve uh, that was skewered with some camembert, ripe camembert cheese. We've got some uh, homemade terrine that's made with uh, pancetta and ham. And then we had some uh, home-cured uh, pastrami that's rolled with cheddar cheese. Love cheddar cheese. Um, and, and your skewers were not even like wooden skewers. It was like rosemary, rosemary. <laughs> hello, um, and, and adding just that extra flavor uh, to the camembert. You seem to be quite a big fan of roulade because you have more than one of it on your menu. Uh, why is that a go-to for? Because um, some people might look at roulade, I kind of think of like the 50s, 60s, right, where um, particularly from what we see in, in American media, they'd have these molds. So you mm-hmm. might have like a fish mold and it's got that shape. It, it seems like that 60s, 50s kind of a thing. What is, what is so special about it for you? I think, to be honest, it's just, it's delicious. Um, the process of making it, I do love it. Um, it is a process. So if you don't like the process as a chef, then I don't know. Um, and then uh, ultimately the flavor and just uh, with uh, being able to present things in a modern way, you can take something from yesteryear and just bring it into today. Um, Christmas pudding, are people still into Christmas pudding? I just have this anxiety about christmas puddings and i'll tell you what it is it's like reminds me of being a child and you saw the fondant on a wedding cake and in your mind you're like this is going to be so delicious <laughs> and then you bit into it and there were these fruits and things <laughs> so <laughs> they give me such a nightmare but they sell like hotcakes and i in my mind i'm like are people still really into christmas puddings you either love it or hate it my wife sounds just like oh. she would have no fruit in anything cooked, dessert-wise, nothing. I love it on the other hand, and so do a lot of other people. <laughs> it is. Uh, I have a friend who said that she still has a piece of her parents' wedding cake from over 25 years ago because they were preserved to stay that mm-hmm. long. But the fact that people still love Christmas puddings, but you included some cookies and some tiramisu and that delicious vanilla swiss roll what what would you share with people or some of the things they should consider including on their christmas menus so christmas menus is all about family so i would the go-to has to be whatever feels like home that's what you have to put on there there's uh 
I don't know. You don't need to be pretentious about Christmas. It needs to be delicious. It needs to So whether it's pickled family. fish or fricadels, whatever it is that feels Tongue, like a definitely. Right? <laughs> Talk to us about your business and the fact that you actually can be the person who sets up for Christmas and um, the catering services that you, you give. Okay. So for Christmas in particular, we've got a Christmas delivery service that we'll be offering. So how that would work is we would collect all your dishes. Uh, we'd give you a guide on what to provide for us. Mm-hmm. And then on Christmas Day, we would come and deliver food to your home in your containers, uh, enough to have a feast and still a little bit over for Boxing Day. Oh. <laughs> What is up with that boxing? So you have to give us the tip about how you should be storing your Christmas food best so that you can have it for the next two, maybe three days after. Um, After you've reheated it as hard as it may be, before you take that little nap, put your food in the fridge. (laughs) I know what you mean about that nap. And what is your go-to Christmas drink? What is your choice? Is it wine? Is it something you mix? Uh, ginger beer. Whoa. Ginger like beer with ginger a tot, beer. yes. Ooh. With a tot of vodka. So, <laughs> can I give you what tastes really good? Because I've tested it. Ginger beer with a tot of dark rum. Oh, yes. I would definitely have that. Ah, I see. I same page. Same that. page. <laughs> How do we get in touch with you on the socials? Instagram, you're at ChefCello82. Yes. Uh, do you have a website or where else can people go to get more details about your business and services? All right. So the website is www.ssfood.coza. And for all inquiries, it's orders at ssfood.co.za. Chef, thank you so much for feeding us and taking care of us. And Merry Christmas. Thank you.